Welcome to the Paychecks HR Leadership Podcast Series. Today's topic is the changing face of HR. Our guest speaker is George LaRock, Principal Analyst and Founder of Hashtag HR Wins. With more than 25 years in the industry, he's an HCM Market Analyst and Advisor focused on users and developers of HR technology. He helps employers understand the trends that are impacting their workforce today and in the future. He also helps HR service providers and technology vendors with a unique perspective on the HR customers and the changing workforce. Welcome, George. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. This is a really interesting topic. I find we spend a lot of time talking about the changing workforce, but it's interesting. I would imagine that the people in HR are changing as well. They definitely are. You know, a lot of times we talk about the workforce as though HR is not in it, but all of the changes happening, the big seismic shifts in demographics and generations are all happening within HR as well. So what that means is, you know, we have younger leaders, we have Gen X in the most senior leadership roles and millennials also in leadership roles. I do a lot of research ongoing. And in the last few years, we've seen millennials jumping into the director and VP roles across industries and across company sizes. And then, you know, there are some trickle-down effects of these generations moving into leadership. What are some of the things you're seeing? Are they changing how HR is working and how HR is being perceived in the organization? It's not your grandfather's HR anymore, right? To pull out a hackneyed phrase. Some of the biggest changes have to do with the perception of HR. So I would say, you know, business leaders really should rethink who's sitting in HR these days. The research that we've done shows that HR is more highly educated than most of their peers. Most of HR leaders in the director and VP role have advanced degrees, masters and above. We're also seeing an HR leader if they've gone to school for HR. So they've pursued education and education focused on human resources, which didn't happen 10 years ago. When I go to an industry conference, I like to ask how many folks in the room studied HR in school. I was at one recently, about a thousand people in the room, more than half raised their hand. That was unusual to see that happen. If you're not pedigreed in HR, then you've probably got experience from other areas of business, operations, sales, marketing, engineering, and then moved into HR, and you bring that experience with you as well. So that's extremely beneficial for an HR leader to bring the external view of how the business works. And a lot of times, especially in mid-sized companies with, let's say, 3,000 employees and below, that's where the HR leader initially comes from, is from within the business. So it's a different HR leader than we had seen a few years ago. Are there some factors driving that pursuit of the education of becoming a true professional? If you look at all of the changes happening in work, the way work is getting done, people are more distributed, the trends in the world, there's a lot of buzz around automation, around how work is executed, artificial intelligence, and a lot of discussion in the media about what jobs are here, where they're going. It's an interesting seat to be leading the people organization. And I think it's attracting some fairly strategic players into those roles. It's a hot seat right now to be leading the programs and policies for a workforce. Interesting. I've also heard as the generational shifts occur in the workforce, there's a need to respond in a technology point of view as well, to be more mobile friendly, to be more progressive, to be digitally aware. Are we seeing that also in HR? 
one of the ways we need to adapt for a younger workforce is Gen X, millennials, Gen Z are all more what we call digitally native. So their expectations of technology in and outside of HR are more consumerized, right? We're expecting our HR software, the software that we use at work to operate like the software we use at home, our banking software, our Amazon, our Facebooks and Googles, et cetera. So it needs to be very usable. It needs to not require a lot of training and it needs to to provide an experience that brings you back, that leads you back to the software. Leads me to believe today's HR leader is more a sophisticated technology buyer, more discerning, more understanding of what that technology really needs to do. That's a good point. And I would say, along with being a more sophisticated buyer, they're actually driving a lot of the trends now. So if you think about some of the buzzwords from the last 10 years, people analytics is one I like to talk about. That's actually been limping along for quite some time. I've been in the industry for 30 years. I've been in technology and then this analyst side of the desk for 15 to 20. And we've been talking about people analytics the entire time. It's the demand of the HR buyer for better insights, more usable insights, more strategic insights that has really pulled that trend along. And we're seeing really innovative approaches to people analytics within platforms, HR platforms, talent management platforms, also point solutions that are specifically built for people analytics. And that's all based on the fact that there's a market that's been created by the HR buyer. They're actually demanding this information. Absolutely. Especially in the middle market where we've got, say, between 50 and 3,000 employees. I'm very close to the business, right? I can't make a decision to implement a program unless I understand the impact on the business. If I implement a program, I need to measure and then provide results back to the CFO, the CEO, my peers on the leadership team. I need a system to be able to do that. I need to be able to display metrics to report on how we're doing and what impact we're having on the business. Do you see that as a reflection of HR's changing role, that they are more of a strategic partner, really helping shape the workforce that businesses need to succeed? Another trend that's big in the marketplace would be, I mentioned it earlier, automation. You know, we like to talk about the robots and artificial intelligence, routine process automation. You know, in the past, when new technology was introduced to HR, I think there was a perception that HR would be averse to that technology. Now you see HR looking for opportunities to implement technologies like automation or artificial intelligence to take the task out of the process so they can focus on being a better business partner. So if I can spend less time scheduling interviews or executing payroll runs, I can spend more time guiding the recruiting process, more time guiding the leadership team on compensation strategies or employee relations programs. You mentioned the middle market earlier. Yeah. These things you're talking about really sound like enterprise quality features and benefits. Do the middle market and even small business get access to the same kind of technology and these benefits? 
these trends that are happening, everything that happened that we talked about in the 90s, the world becoming more flat, everybody becoming more connected, technology becoming more consumerized, had an impact on consumer technology and definitely large enterprise technology, but it all came true. So now we have small businesses with 100 employees, 200 employees competing not just for business with large employers halfway around the world, but for talent. It's a more distributed workforce. People are working remotely. Even companies that are in more traditional industries, they might have drivers or distributors or customer service professionals out in the field where their customers are. So these trends have created an opportunity for the middle market, where as the technology becomes more mobile, more usable, and we can do more with it, it's become a necessity for this middle market to adopt these technologies in order to compete to find talent and to retain talent. So what are you seeing as some of the biggest trends moving ahead? We've talked about some of the issues that are driving innovation. What are you seeing happening in the next two to three years? In the next two to three years, while automation continues to come into the workplace, we'll start to see more and more focus on the employee experience. Employee experience is a really big topic. It has everything to do with, you know, the ergonomics of your desk and where you sit or where you do your work, the tools and the technologies you use to do your work, to the relationships you have with your team and with your manager or leadership to the team. HR has a big role to play across that entire spectrum. And some places where you can expect to see more focus would be around employee well-being, around elective benefits that contribute you know, beyond the core health benefits package to the employee's experience. You can expect to see more innovation in talent management functions where we have technology that can anticipate when a manager might need to engage with a team or a leader might need to look at a team with regard to you know, ways to create programs to bolster their incentives. We're capturing all of this data across the enterprise and we're getting smarter and smarter about how to leverage it, not just in the here and now, but how to predict the mood of the team, the pace of productivity and what impact that's going to have on engagement and culture. The predictive element seems to me to be really the next step, moving beyond looking back and starting to try to look ahead. Are we seeing that happen? It's happening across the board. In recruiting, we're seeing new approaches with assessments. So we've all had experience with the old school personality tests or critical thinking tests. And first we you know, filled in circles on paper and then we basically did the same thing, but with a keyboard, checked the box. Now we're seeing natural language processing, captured data. We're seeing visuals being used instead of text for candidates, for example, to assess whether something feels more like them or less like them. And then based on the data that's captured, we're able to predict the types of roles that they'll be more comfortable in, that they'll be more successful in beyond the hard skills, right? I'm an engineer and I've got certain skills. I can test for that. But then what type of role would you be a great fit in? What path should you be on? We're capturing a lot of data once you're hired. We understand not just your performance metrics or how you've been rated, but we start to see who you're connecting with, what type of learning content you're spending time with. We know a lot about you, your benefits profile, your family.
family profile. We can start to predict some things that are helpful that can help us be better leaders and managers based on the whole person, not just a performance rating, for example. Sure. We've talked a lot about what I would say is a top-down view of technology. Does the modern HR leader, are they cognizant of what it's like bottom-up, what it's like for the employees to interact with HR technologies and what that means, how that can impact an organization? Well, you know, a big part of employee experience is the experience that you have with the tools that you're given. One of the things that I see more innovative HR technology companies doing is creating an environment within their platform where it's not just about, let's say, checking your paid time off balance or looking at the balance on your health insurance deductible, but a place where you can start to learn about your team or learn about what's happening within the company. And then from that place, you're drawn into learning or drawn into other aspects of your professional development or your personal interests. So that experience that you're having as an employee isn't about, you know, going in and logging into the HR system. It's about being a part of a team. It's about getting an understanding, a better understanding of the business and going to one centralized place to do that. So employee communications and collaboration is a big part of what HR technologists are thinking about right now. And I can see that tying back to the very beginning of our conversation where we were talking about new generations who are very comfortable with these collaboration tools solving old problems with new technologies, new solutions. Well, you know, the workforce is more distributed. We're all used to looking at screens. I'm Gen X, so I was there when, if you wanted to know something, you went to the coffee machine or the water cooler, but I adapted very quickly to looking at my text or going into some sort of messaging interface. And that's really where we're operating. This isn't just knowledge workers who sit behind a desk. Folks that are working in healthcare, they have a phone in their pocket. They have room for an app on that phone. Folks that are in construction, folks that are in sales out on the retail floor, that's how they're accessing information and how they're interacting with each other. It's not about one generation, but about how all of the generations have made this shift. And I think, you know, an additional point would be that you really need to be everywhere as an employer. You need to be on the computer screen, on the phone, on the tablet, and you need to have information that's accessible and provide an environment with a coffee machine or a water cooler. Are there any glaring gaps right now in the HR tech landscape? Are there things that our new modern leaders want that developers aren't providing yet? Things are changing so quickly. The buzzword is digital transformation, right? And I'm talking about the business changing, not the HR technology changing. You think about industries like media, retail, they've all been turned upside down. And every industry is going through that. I talk to a lot of HR leaders in healthcare, in myriad industries, and the thing they say the most that sounds the same is that they're more of a technology company today. So they're driven by data, they're driven by analytics. They may be producing a product but they're really hiring a whole different type of person and they need to level up the skills of the organization. So I would say that one of the biggest gaps or opportunities that I see is probably around learning and helping 
skill up the organization and redeploy existing employees. Because when you have an employee who has cultural knowledge and an understanding of where to go to get information, it's incredibly valuable. And you can train up the skills that they need to maybe make a shift from a retail floor to an operations role, looking at some data that's relevant. This isn't a function that didn't exist before, or it's not that we didn't have learning technology before. It's just that the business has changed so quickly and the technology and the capabilities have changed so quickly. We can deliver learning content with video, audio, text, surveys, et cetera, in a way that's personalized for the employee. We just couldn't do two or three years ago. So it feels like a gap, but it's really a very rapid evolution. It's a transformation to overuse that term. Sure, but it's all being adopted now. Yeah. And I've heard this discussion before about how you can't just hire the ideal workforce. You really have to develop it. You have to build it. And it feels like what you're talking about is a technology that helps you do that. Yeah, there's technology that you would implement internally to do that. I think a big opportunity, you know, we've got these skills gaps or shortages, depending on how you look at it, and investing in the education of your talent pool before you've hired them. So there are some really interesting startups coming up. They're educational institutions. I don't want to call them colleges just yet, but candidates can go there and receive free education on a skill. Maybe it's a programming language. I've seen one for sales skills and business development skills, and the employers are funding this. And then in some cases, if they're hired, there's no fee to the candidate or the consumer. In other cases, it's a small fee that's paid off over for, you know, some period of time. But these are employers who are investing in educating a workforce that they just can't find enough of right now. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that pre-hire as well as within the employer learning environment as well. It makes sense. It makes me think of what you were talking about with people analytics, how we have to anticipate what we need five years from now. That's a great analogy. And that's something that the analytics that we do have are helping us identify what we'll need in a few years for skills or for the types of folks that will fit in those roles. But what we're having a hard time doing is finding those people. And there are a lot of folks thinking about that problem. But I think employers need to get motivated to start solving this problem you know, for themselves. It's not going to be a magic bullet. I think investing not only in advertising your jobs, but in getting some content out there to educate the workforce and even creating a path to their jobs with that education is a great investment. You talked about the new HR leader not being as tech averse. Mm -hmm. Have you seen them also being more willing to change, to adopt new technologies? Well, we're certainly adopting new technologies. In my work, in my research, I've seen about 30% of the HR technology market churn at any given point in time. A lot of technology being adopted. Some of it's replacement, some of it's new, but it's constantly happening. And that's an average, that 30% churn rate is overall, I look at about 13 or 14 categories of HR technology. Where else do you see the modern HR leader making the biggest impact? I would say that the HR leader has a huge impact around culture, engagement, around holding the leadership team, the rest of the senior leadership team accountable to the culture that they're looking to build within an organization. The environments where I see 
really innovative cultures or just places where people are happy to go to work and they're super engaged. It's a top-down leadership effort. And the HR leader in that environment tends to be the biggest cheerleader for that executive team, but also the person that keeps the leadership team on point and honest and looks for opportunities for the HR team to engage and implement programs that are going to further that culture, bolster that culture. That makes a lot of sense. A culturally healthy organization is a more successful organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was great, George. Any parting thoughts for our audience? One big parting thought I have for you as an HR leader would be get ready for the continued, should I say, increased onslaught of new technology. I track as much of the venture capital and private equity investments in HR technology specifically as I can. And year over year for the last three years, we've seen it increase by factors. Last year, we had $4 billion in venture capital invested in HR tech globally. Just last quarter, we saw about $1.4 billion. So we're on pace to exceed last year's number yet again. And what that means is around the world, and especially in the U.S., expect to see a lot more startups and a lot more innovators, new products coming to market in the categories that we've discussed. That sounds great. It's going to be an exciting time, isn't it? It sure will. It sure will. Thanks a lot, George. I appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thanks for having me. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Visit payx.me slash modernhr for more information about this topic including a downloadable ebook with the insights you need to take advantage of the latest tech and trends in talent acquisition.